Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast on Trek No Babble. This is Matthew. And this is Kevin. This is Esther. Yes, we have a special guest today, Esther, who has appeared on podcasts before. Appeared, I suppose not. Uh, made herself audible on podcasts <laughs> before. Today we're going to do Voyager Season 6, uh, episode Pathfinder. It's long been one of my favorites, and I don't think it's going to change as we watch it. Uh, it's the one with Barkley, right? Was there one before this with Barkley? No, I think this was, this was the, no, this is the first, right? Yeah, right. This is there, the first. there were three with Barkley. This one, the one with the hologram version of him. And the finale. And was it, no, it wasn't the finale. There there's, was a, another, there's another one when they try to like... There's the, where he's where he's there's the the honey six, trap and the honey pot. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. But that that's the holographic one. Is that right? the holographic? Okay, yeah. Right, and then there's there's another one, isn't there? I swear <laughs> to God, I remember a third Barclay episode that wasn't the finale. Okay, well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, this is the first one. That that's the important thing, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> we agree on that. And so I guess, uh, I mean, the internet wasn't as big back then. A lot of things weren't as big back then. A lot of things weren't as bad back then. Uh, what a what a wonderful time 1998 was, comparatively speaking. Um, maybe people weren't as worried about uh, crossover and fan service, so to speak. Like it, it wouldn't be viewed as cheap necessarily to have someone from another series guest star. I don't know. I, I think uh, they were that was stuff they were cognizant of, cognizant i can speak today uh of even back in tng like they pretty much waited until season five to introduce a tos character i think ds9 took a lot of heat for bringing q on so early oh yeah um right. try- it went in a crappy episode so right boot, so. yeah um i'm trying to recall i don't think like unless you count um there's the ferengi uh from the bars and which which that's a like that's less of a crossover more just like a like, it's a follow-up. They literally went to the Delta Yeah, planet, and then so. um, there was the episode with Sulu, uh, I think, what was that, season four or five? Yeah, that's a, so that's a flashback. Coda? Yeah, so yeah. that, that I would say, was about what would be the earliest crossover. So even they waited on Voyager. I remember thinking, and I'll, we'll, we'll get to it in the episode, but I, this did feel a little bit like fan service to me at the time. Like, they were going a little too hard trying to introduce recognizable characters I don't think it. I don't think it didn't work per se, but I did. Remember, I do remember feeling like kind of dropping in Troy Barkley felt like oh, here's some TNG people for you to like. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not ever going to say no to that. Well, okay, let me preface that statement by saying. Until this point in my life, I will have never said no to that. <laughs> the Picard show is still forthcoming, so I may well be saying no, no, very soon. Uh, but, you know, in the uh, Rick Berman regime, I would trust the writing staff to handle it well, you know, because I would trust them to understand the characters, number one, and I would trust them not to completely sell out their own show so i suppose the enterprise finale is a, a you know maybe where things oh, change um barkley was also uh, the character the actor appeared in projections that season two i'm looking this up this isn't me just being awesome though i am uh season two episode when the doctor was like losing his mind hmm. 
and he had dreamed that he yeah. was Herman Zimmerman. See, I thought he was in a previous episode. Yeah, and then Lifeline is the one with when they go back and help the Doctor. Yeah. Or the do- the doctor that created the doctor, mm-hmm. and then he was also an author author apparently. Oh, so he, oh, he, he was testified. The, he was the representative. He helped facilitate the. He was a part of the trial. Did or, the communication? Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. All right. So I guess this is the second uh, Dwight Schultz. Per- yeah, it's the second time he's cast a check, but yeah. it's the yeah. first time the first real time character has appeared. Canonical Barkley has shown up. <laughs> I would say think- four episodes where. The main characters of the show are not really in it. Like, technically, like, yeah. yes, they're in it, but they're holographic versions of them. Yeah, we and they're very much... clearly very different from the characters. Yeah, that we you... pretty much don't see. They're at the very end. That's just, yeah, <laughs> in the button, yeah. I would, given that, normally that is the type of thing that I would just be like, this is, that I would just kind of skip over after I'd seen it once, but I think they managed to make it, they actually managed to make it work to where you actually enjoy it. And it feels still. Like, it's giving something to the series. Yeah. It doesn't just feel like a little hiatus episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, despite the fact that it is kind of a little hiatus episode in terms of the main characters, the actual characters of Voyager. I agree. Yeah. So, um, why don't we start yeah. it and we can talk about all these uh, points as they arise. So, get your streaming and or optical media, if there's any of you left. Uh ready yeah you, that sounds so grim like in the future watching this on like your your jury rigged ipad that you've had to stitch together from broken components in the gla- the the glass desert wasteland yeah, that the is... dystopic future in which you're watching what we used to fantasize about sorry everybody yeah um, we fucked it up <laughs> well i mean our parents yeah. it's really our parents yeah, yeah. we knew and we tried but our parents just, uh, okay, anyhow, let's not go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. Get your media, however it is being presented, ready, and press play in three, two, one, press play. All right, so clearly a very different milieu <laughs> right away. Uh, so he's in San Francisco, are we to take it? They don't have the sort of traditional Trans America building yeah, shot there. That's just a random map painting, I think. Uh, do they far more th- urban than you're used to when they do the back to San Francisco, hmm. which they right, tend so- to feel more very parky, yeah, very green, which is great. It's like in the future there won't be so many, won't be so, it'll be all nice yeah. and green. But but this is nice to kind of have an actual urban kind of feel. I think it's reasonably well dressed. The set here it looks like sort of a. I, you know, so I've had a long-standing question about how these people get these right this swank ass apartments. Like I'm looking at this thing, and that's at least a thousand square feet in the heart of San Francisco. In today's money, you might still actually need gold press latinum to obtain it. Yeah, that's like a million dollar view right there. Um, I will say. Uh, I, I I appreciate that they got this out of the way at the top. There That's was multi level no, too. Yeah, it's like, like a, a du- like yeah, duplex overlooking anything. Like, um, I will say I like that they got the introduction of this out of the way at the top. I don't know. I think I would have been more annoyed had they started with the Voyager crew and then had like the teaser twist or the Act One twist be, and now characters you recognize. So I, I'm okay. Like I like that. I I do like the. I, I like that the, the, the Barkley hasn't unpacked yeah. in two years. Yeah. It's supposed to be a problem. And Esther and I were talking before the episode. I'm like, that's 
That's that's normal. Yeah, that's that's how I unpack. <laughs> yeah, as you need it, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Marina Sirtis looks great. Is yeah. she? I. It's. It makes these are the voyages even more unforgivable because she's clearly still a lovely woman who kept it tight, frankly, and just po- trying to pour her back into her next gen uniform was just mean. <laughs> Yeah, this is a more flattering look. It's got the black that sort of conceals anything you want to conceal, kind of like the Voyager uniform. Yeah. Um, her hair isn't as frosted yet, so I, I, I like that. I've never been a fan of frosting as you get older. Um, Dwight Schultz still looks like Dwight Schultz. Um, so I know, Kevin, you have, like, that's definitely not ice cream. Yeah. That's it totally like, cat food. It looks like cat food. <laughs> um. Ke- Kevin has mentioned to me before that he feels this is a backslide for the Barclay character. I think, it, okay, here's, I'll say it this way. It it feels like a backslide to two one note because Barclay doesn't really grow again over the course of his arc. Like, he, like I understand he's an introvert and honestly, if they were writing this, if they were writing this character from scratch today, he's probably on the spectrum. Like, maybe... Uh, very to one side, but it's very clear he does not derive pleasure or comfort from many forms of social interactions. So, I like, we had this conversation in First Contact. Picard having a PTSD attack when the people who attacked him literally reappeared to attack him again makes more sense to me than Barkley turning into Hollow Pursuits Barkley, which is what I feel he kind of does here. So, And I, I would have liked some connective tissue to be like, was there something was there a trigger what like it is it i i feel i don't remember if it's in this episode or in a different one but but he does met like the there's a point where he talks about having left the enterprise and the enterprise that's what i thought that that he had left the enterprise and the enterprise was a place where he had found home and friends and had actually found a way to communicate and interact with people and while it is natural to be you know, to have to move because you're in Starfleet and you have to go to a different job, but how much he should have backslid in terms of his holodeck addiction kind of idea. I do think it makes sense that he's retreated again and is kind of keeping people away. Had they shown him having like maybe one or two stable friendships in the Pathfinder project that were now themselves being imperiled by his backslide? Because if you think about it, maybe he avoided the holodeck for a while and then when they started... Like, and maybe that's the other thing for me, too, here. The the use of the simulations doesn't quite make sense. Like, there's simply no reason you would need... Like, uh, the most you would need the simulation for is the technical aspects of Voyager. Like, populating the crew with his suppositions of what they're like and making them like him feels like too much too fast. And maybe that's part of my problem, too. Like, the, and we'll get to this in a minute when the episode starts well, yeah. after the title sequence. But it's like, the Voyager crew he made for himself is like... A page right out of the Three Musketeers fantasy. Oh, I disagree entirely. I don't think it's it's nowhere they're, near they're as bad not, as the Hollow yeah, Pursuits. It's He's not, not a sex simulation, number one. And they're, well, that's they're because, not dressed that's up a, in like yeah, that's because a woman is in charge of this century, show, like but, troubadour gear. But I also think that he has in this. I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, but he has, unlike what he had in when he was first introduced in Next Gen. He actually has a supportive boss. And he's got a career. And he has he's a, got career. a career where he's and so, thriving to a degree. So I do think it's like, like I, I, I get, I, I wish they would have shown a little bit more of the backslide of what caused it specifically or, or why he was allowed to, yeah, I just don't how have, he fell so deeply into yeah. this holodeck obsession again. Yeah, I just don't have a sense that he was that different 
than season three Barkley at the start of this project. And, and like, and because because it's not a show about Barkley, right. yeah. you're not going to get the time for that. But it, it just the dots weren't there for the connected for me. And I'll, I'll hold off on discussing the Voyager crew until they make their appearance. But I believe I can I, I can support my case that <laughs> they are deeply problematic representations. I, I think. <laughs> That there's enough dialogue to establish a realistic character. So, you know, like, character stories don't have to be teleological, you know? There, there doesn't have to be an endpoint that they're evolving towards. That's not how people live their lives. People change and fluctuate and make progress and then slide back all the time. So, to me, it read as natural. He's a, he's a, he's a guy with social anxiety disorder and and various problems and it makes sense to me that given his change in career his you know loss of his hard-won support network that it makes sense i don't know i feel like it's kind of like the end of season eight of game of thrones i buy that daenerys would torch the city the episodes Spoilers. i watched you know you know what the, the best way to not be spoiled on a show is not waiting just to watch, watch it yeah, yeah. Um, also, if spoiling a show makes it not good, it's not a good show. Yes, saying also it true. now. Um, but like the, con- the the connecting of the dots to that moment, even if I believe that moment in a vacuum is credible, doesn't make for the most engaging viewing experience. So because we kind of without something to feel like I I don't know I, I don't feel an arc in this Barkley. I feel like they plucked a Bar- Barkley out of TNG and dropped him in rather than found Barkley on the arc they started him on in TNG for me. You know, they've got a challenging task because it's true. This isn't the Barkley show. He hasn't been in a dozen episodes, you know, so he doesn't have the same amount of screen time that he had in TNG. I think they did enough. Okay. So setup of the story here, they're working on the Pathfinder array. Uh, The Pathfinder project and the Midas array. The Midas array. Sorry. For the Pathfinder Uh, project. uh, Everyone drink. They have those uh, flashing neon tubes that don't do anything. (laughs) Well, clearly it's doing something because that guy is very invested in it. (laughs) I wonder what this... This looks like the nacelle room from TNG. A little. A little. Yeah. It's got that sort of catwalk. Could be a cargo bay. Yeah. Could be. So... uh, Refresh my memory here. What they're working on is trying to find Voyager. No, to communicate with Voyager. They are trying to communicate. Yeah, they don't. They can't do two-way communication. Oh, they're trying the... to send a packet of data. Yeah, something. yeah. And so Barclay has a theory that he can use an itinerant pulsar to uh, redirect the mice array, create a micro wormhole, and have two-way communication. What's an it? What would make a pulsar itinerant? <laughs> hey, you know, it's a cool-sounding word. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pre- a word. presumably. It, it's like maybe they're trying to get it it's fluctuating or something like it's not pulsing completely regularly uh presumably in order to have the juice to create a micro wormhole you would have to have a very very large uh powerful source of energy and so maybe an itinerant pulsar is even more than a regular pulsar sure look it's not a fucking mushroom drive okay (laughs) Like at least they, at least they kind of dotted the eyes and crossed the t's. <laughs> Someone consulted on this. So like I like this. I like that Barclay is you know burning the candle at both ends, and I really like, like you said, Esther, the supportive boss. I like his name's Pete, right? I like yeah. that Pete wants to set him up with his sister-in-law. You know, like come by the house. You know, 
That's what this scene right here yeah, is. Yeah, I'll well, say... He's, draw, he's trying to draw him in, you know, yeah. I think into a more social relationship, not just a work relationship. But and it, it feels, totally humanizes I don't know, but it feels, yeah. it feels like this isn't, like, it's not, a, it's not something that's happened before. So, it, it like, had it been like, hey, you missed our poker game or we haven't seen you in a while. Like, something to indicate that there was an arc that he's coming back from. Also, it's, and maybe this is just me being pedantic about character work. Who looks at Barkley and says, yeah, my sister-in-law would be great for you? Like, I like, did wonder this that. This Barkley <laughs> is visibly a mess. <laughs> I, I wondered that. I got the impression that, you know, Angie's sister from Boston Probably is, also a hot mess? Yeah, like she's <laughs> like a, a a cat lady. Maybe she's a librarian or, you know, like, so right? You know, which, yeah. So it's like, I know someone who kind of needs help socially and would be very receptive and sensitive to your needs as well. And and she's single and you're single. And so like maybe it's like a little bit of overstepping on Pete's, you know, part, but You also I, might I find just it think sweet. nothing's actually gonna happen, but I could maybe get you out of the office. Yeah. And, and like I mean he cares about the health of his team, right? Yeah. He, okay, you're so gonna now, come have but, coffee. So now now we are at the the Voyager crew. I like that the um uh maquis crew are dressed in civilian wear <laughs> as it would probably have been a detail that uh the doctor might have omitted um well and it's like it's clearly this just the same costume wait wait, wait no no, no, no I, ta- I take it back i take it back he he would have no way of knowing which maquis survived or didn't unless he got a full report about the crew member the maki crew members who survived the battle and at the caretaker and their new roles on voyager like balan is the engineer chakotay is the first officer so why wouldn't he put them in uniforms if he knew that they were doing that Moving uh, on. You know, he doesn't have i mean th- this he just based it on whatever the kind of stock i feel, image I, is. I feel like I, I feel like this is just a way to underscore that it's the holodeck the whole yeah, time i i like it i i think it's helpful yeah. whether you could say whether he would have done it or not or how he would have should have dressed them I think in terms of just kind of giving that immediate visual clue that these are not the characters. Yeah, but is we're, useful. We're, we're, like with the throwaway line about Tuvok not wanting to play against a obviously superior player, he's clearly repeating the pattern that in order to interact with these people, he has to be better than them at everything. And they're yeah, gonna this lay, is a world where right, he's secure they're and gonna, expert. At I'm saying it, it goes that step farther because they're going to lay it on real thick in a minute in which uh, dewy-eyed Bellana thanks him for that's the worst assisting part. her with <laughs> the diagnostic. I, I, was, I was assuming that's the part that you were going to go to in terms of, yeah. I have a problem with that, because it's not just, I want to interact with you, which is the Harry and yeah. uh, part before, like, I want to play a game with you. No, I want to play that kind of fighting over the favorite uncle, so to speak. Right, and it's, uh, it's like it, it goes that step farther uh, beyond just, like, I've created people, like, who are naturally inclined to be my friend to the same that same power disparity minus the overt sexuality of hollow pursuits where they had to be a whole notch less than their regular characters in order for Barkley to feel comfortable and i get that they did the work in that episode but the the end result is still just the bridge too far for me well now let me try to defend that choice (laughs) uh just to play devil's advocate here there was a very recent episode in which the doctor uh, Tinker Tenor, Dr. Spy, uh, had a holographic simulation, his dreams, right? And in the dreams, he also had simulacra of his co-workers basically fawning over and fighting over him sexually. So, I would like to put forward the notion 
that perhaps the holodeck, generally speaking, is designed... Just makes us horn dogs? <laughs> well, no. Is designed to please the person who is in it. And so these sort of behavioral algorithms that are present naturally tend towards making the human or the, the participant character the center of everything and you know like the hero of the story to give them that sort of feeling i'm gonna counter your counter by pointing out that the scenes of them fawning over him sexually were the most awkward in that oh i'm not saying it's a good thing okay and here it is (laughs) so here's balana look what the great hairstyle her she she her blowout looks great today uh, but it's that like weird fawning smile, like the way she's talking about not being able to complete the diagnostic without yeah. his help. It's like you had to make her a lesser engineer to like her, and that's the thing that. But they don't know how good an engineer she is. I'm just, I'm saying, the only reason she wasn't the goddess of empathy is because Jerry Taylor is in charge of the show. <laughs> is my like the fact that there was a woman in the writers' room to say stop doing that. <laughs> I I don't think they were going for that. So. I like the sort of Admiral Paris, you know, the way he presents himself, the way he talks. He's got that very sort of self-congratulatory admiral shtick. Very admiral. Yes, he's definitely an admiral. Great casting for the actor. Um, You know, but he actually does, you know, broadcast a certain amount of concern. And, and, you know, he he has an emotional investment, which he's trying to keep under wraps. Like, I think the actor is doing a really nice job at giving us those levels, you know? We know who he is, you know? We know it's Tom Paris's dad. And so every choice he makes in terms of his facial expressions, the, the tone of his voice, I, I'm into it. And <laughs> I like in this episode that the team does not treat him as poorly as the team did in Hollow Pursuit. Mm-hmm. You know? Which, to be fair, was like the weakest part of the episode. Jordy was an asshole. Like Jordy was, yeah, straight up dickhead to Barkley. Um, but he was like, he was this social outcast, and here he's not as much. Like clearly, people know who he is. They're relatively comfortable, and so I see this relapse in hall addiction as a momentary thing. It's not like he moved to Earth and immediately just went back to being Hollow Pursuits Barkley. No, know? I, I mean. Clearly, the holodeck and the simulation of Voyager is seems like something that the Pathfinder project created for whatever work they're doing. Well, C- given that it's yeah part of the maybe the explanation. Like, like I said, there's it, it should almost be a flag to his boss that he's created fawning simulacra of yeah. the crew and what the should people be... don't need to be there. Right. So they, like, they need to have the schematic of the ship to see if the ship can receive the signal. Right. You know? So and maybe that's what like. Maybe it's because it felt too. It feels too tonally similar, uh, to the earlier episode to the to the hollow to hollow pursuits. Maybe that's the. I personally, I think that the structure of the story, which is Barkley narrating it to Counselor Troy, is really effective. I yeah. like the the narrative asides, and I like that it's showing Barkley trying to process and communicate his experience to someone who is not just his psychiatrist, but also his friend. You know, I don't think he's backslid that much. I think this is a this is a, a realistic I mean he's he's an obsessive or even his compulsive speech here where he's, he's like like I don't know like the stuttering the, is too much for the, him? or like the, the like they it's a very writerly thing for him to say you you've forgotten about the people on Voyager when we all know he has a son on Voyager, so it just feels like that's something a writer writes to create the moment. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel organic. 
I can I can agree with you on that. Barkley overstepped, and in a way that maybe he shouldn't have. Just, but that also seems very true to Barkley's character in terms of when he finally gets going, he's going to go too far in yeah. terms of communicating. I love the way they've been lighting this conversation scene. It's like they've been talking all through the night, you know, because now it's it's morning. No, so, yeah, that's, no, I thought it was. This, this, is, this is the evening of the day. That yeah, I mean they've been before, talking all day yeah. before it was yeah. him. So in there's bed. yeah. Hey, there's Golden Gate Bridge in the background. Can yeah, in the mist. Yeah, that's, that's it's easier to see on this huge screen. Yeah. <laughs> So no Transamerica building, but yes, Golden Gate Bridge. Those buildings look pretty period. Uh, I wonder if that's a reuse from some other set mm. that's not Star Trek. And she's asking good questions here. You know, I think this is what I mean when I say this doesn't feel like horrible fan service because at least to my mind, they are writing the characters in character. Like it, it fits. This this is an acceptable evolution of their stories. I mean, it's an interlude because, of course, they're going to show up in movies and stuff, too, right? This is after First Contact, though. Yeah. In yeah. First Contact, Barkley appeared. So he must have left the Enterprise E to come to Earth. Yeah. To work in uh, communications, I suppose. And, you know, he's saying this isn't a relapse and she doesn't believe him, you know? Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I think the episode doesn't work it largely works for me i just think um with some fine-tuning to connecting the dots to the larger universe and uh the dials of the intensity i think it would would have been it would have had more emotional impact um i think this actually is the closest they've ever gotten janeway's hair right to to, uh, season one (laughs) because like i think it's it's um it's both the one when Seven's bouncing around in time, and then when Kess comes back, it's hideously wrong. Like, the wig person should be killed. Uh, but this one's not bad. This one, real on point. This table has always mystified me. <laughs> like, I could understand the shape of it if it had, like, a device inside. Right, if it were, like, a hollow projector. Right, yeah. But it's just... It's just got a Bizarre. hole in it. It's just got a little divot. Like it's got no, well, no, it's got like a keyhole in it. It looks yeah. kind of like the Bajoran symbol from yeah. DS Nine. So, like, I wonder if they just colored it teal and reused it, or yeah, I just impressive. <laughs> you have done yourself this time, Reg. I I think this makes sense as a holodeck story. You know, well, much like uh, Data's uh, attempt at comedy when the car- when the audience was programmed to laugh. He's programmed people to find him amazing, so yeah. I think it actually it would have less utility as a sounding board since you've uh, programmed a bunch of yes men. I think it's just the way the holodeck treats the the hero of the story. I think the holodeck does what you tell the holodeck to do. <laughs> well, yeah, and he did not tell it to put the the women in togas and have them. That's know. a real low. That's a real low line in this age of in the yeah. <laughs> four hundred years after Me Too. <laughs> but he's made progress. You know, he's growing. He's not using them as sex objects, you know. He's using them as friends, right? It's it's yeah. that's what he's replacing. It's still, this, it's still this weird relationship where he had to diminish them to make them like you could program Balana as Balana likes people. We've seen it happen, so you could just say, "Add me to the list of people Balana likes." That's asking somebody who's never met her. But, to but, know... but what I'm saying is, like, I they, mean, they, they all come off as slightly less than competent because of how fawning they are over him. It just, it, it, 
Like, maybe had they been closer to themselves and he was, like, interacting, like, because other characters have done that, too. Like, except for the weird sh- sh- uh, shoulder massage, uh, Jordy falling for the holographic Leia Brahms didn't feel quite as icky because he programmed, like, a competent, interesting person. Like, like the like Susan Gibney acted that enough to me, like, yeah, I, I like her, too. She seems nice. So, like, he didn't have... He didn't have to give her a hero complex about him in order to make her approachable enough. And that that's the, the key hinge for me here is that they all have they all hero worship him in order to make them approachable. And that's the same dynamic. The only thing missing the only thing missing is that there's no one running around in a tow. Oh, I mean I my assumption going into this, having it not be stated in the episode, is that Barkley said some variation of exactly the same thing that Jordy said in creating Leah Brahms. You know, like, use the personnel profiles of these people, use what we know, and the, create a realistic simulation. He pro he, The program thinks he's a better poker player than Tuvok to the point that Tuvok won't even bother anymore. That, I, was n- that is not an inference. I'll go this far. I don't... I'm not above... I, I don't think Barkley is above cheating or peeking, you know, like, figuring out what to do to seem cool. To all these people. Like, I'm sure he's rigging the game to some degree. Uh, you know, I... I think we're getting down a rabbit hole of... Yeah, I, know, it just... One particular objection here. Well, like, no, I, I, I... It just... Uh, it, it keeps me a little at arm's length with this episode is the problem for me. See, I'm, whole, I'm totally invested. Because, to me, it's an obvious question. What's Starfleet doing? And I think this is a, an important scene this right converse, here. Yeah, this, this conversation, Because this yeah. explains his motivation and explains, if there's backsliding, what would have caused it... Because in addition to him being actually lonely because he's left the only friends he's managed to ever make in his life at, in the Enterprise, to then invest himself in Voyager to project his loneliness onto them. And I, it's quite possible... I think there's a certain amount of Mary Sue going on here, too. Like, Reg is me. (laughs) You know, the Enterprise was my friends. And I want to find an alternate group of friends who make me feel the same way. And Voyager's kind of like that. So there's a tube, 47, 48. What is Admiral Harris doing? Looks like he's using a mouse pad, but he's really just stroking that piece of lucite. (laughs) (laughs) Like that conversation actually made sense. I also love that they used the Nick Licardo photo. That With was a reverse nice reversed photo. The insignia is on the mm. wrong side. I don't know why they made that. Like, why do you make that choice? I don't know. You're frightening my secretary, Mister Barkley. Um, the secretary being a, a woman is that bothersome? I mean, it's just like there, of course, there have been I mean, no, there have been male adjutants and secretaries in prior episodes. Yeah. So eh. here's the, here's the thing that I think Starfleet should have figured out by now. Barkley should submit his suggestions in writing. <laughs> yeah, he, he seems to want he's, to rely on his uh, extemporaneous. Yeah, he is not speech yeah, making. Yeah, like not like, his strength. He needs he needs a co-author who can do the PR side of things. I like that he's calmed down here to some degree and he is able to sort of get his point across. So anyway, what I was saying earlier is that I like this as a what's happening in the Alpha Quadrant. Because if you're if you're invested in Voyager, yes, you care about Voyager, you care about the characters. Oh, and now it's been reversed back to the normal way. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, 
But we've, you know, we've gotten five and a half seasons of everything that's going on on Voyager, right? We've had very, very precious few sort of updates. You know, we learned that the Maquis died and the Doctor, you know, off screen talked to some people in the Alpha Quadrant, you know, yeah. and met Andy Dick. Like, that's pretty much all we've gotten of the Alpha Quadrant, you know? And so I love this episode as sort of a maintenance of the universe, you know? It makes me feel like the universe is still going and I'm not just stuck in this Gilligan's Island, you know, situation. They know about them. They're working on it. They're doing their best. Yeah. And so, yes, is having Barkley on the team a little bit small universe? Maybe. But I love Barkley, so yeah, it's not so bad. No, I, I think what would have, you know, character issues aside, I think it would have been helpful to have understood, like, like I get that people think, oh, the idea is not refined yet, I guess, or, but they never really explained what would have been wrong to try, like, why yeah, not their just resistance try it? to trying seems silly. It just, it's like. The chance to communicate, to have two-way communications with your lost... Well, yeah, they, they needed to explain, like, this would this would be a waste of resources or we only get one shot. Like, That's, like This should be a one-shot yeah. thing. They should just say, look, we only have, you know, this, one, this amount of energy, energy in the window. Yeah. There, there's no, like, it, it, the, the resistance, it seems like you could try... They don't seem to have anything else they're doing. Right, right. <laughs> like, they're, they're working on it, and it's just so like... Yeah, I love the Troy stuff. <laughs> She's being a very good counselor. When they let her be a good counselor, she does a lot with it. Um, it's an interesting fireplace. Uh, kind, of, kind of warming light. <laughs> Is that a personal relaxation light? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> See, and this is this is terrific dialogue. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you are important. You know, you are just as important as they are. Well, but also him trying to to kind of come up with a reason to justify his obsession of why he shouldn't he he shouldn't fight against his tendency to go live in the holodeck. Yeah. Uh, like it's valuable, and it's well, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's valuable. Even even if it helps you do this thing that that you know you're not supposed to to sacrifice yourself in that way. I think Dwight Schultz is acting the hell out of this. Because he's not going totally, you know, pathos histrionic. You know, this reads like real honest emotion to me. Yeah, I, I agree with all that on paper. It's just the, the first third of the episode didn't land for me and in, in, in how it manifested. I don't know how else to cope. That's terrific. I, I'm totally on board. I I th I can the the fawning nature of the characters of the holodeck versions of the Voyager crew. You kind of wish. I think it's similar to keeping the Maquis in their Maquis outfits. Is that you want it to be clear that it's not the Voyager crew, and that is an that is a way to do that. Yeah, and it, it's problematic because I don't think it reflects well on Barkley. That I think is probably not intended. It's not intended for him to look like he's creating these fawning people. They need to be a um, little off, just like they needed to be off. But there, I think there was a way to achieve that by having personal details wrong, or hairstyles, or you know, relation uh, other relationships. Like obviously, he wouldn't know that Tom and Bolana are dating stuff like that. Yeah, like he could have inserted himself into a more comp. Like had he, like, I think it would be a more nuanced take to have him make 
try to make friends with a more normalized Voyager crew because he has the skill set or should or started acquiring the skill set to build those relationships with real people and the Voyager crew he created could have been closer to real people that that blending that line of like yeah, and he even could have made that point like I didn't make simpering fawning uh, sycophants I, ma- I I made this I made textured real people that I like the kind like that I had friendships with on the Enterprise and that would have resolved a lot of my my problem i mean what's the episode about is kind of the question here like so that sounds to me like real life or the doctor episode where he had the family mm. you know and balana speci- see there's another yeah plank in my platform here about <laughs> what the holodeck normally does and that what the holodeck normally does is it gives you an enjoyable fantasy you know so when the doctor had a family his family was perfect and they fawned all over him and it was well, he only also because created that but it was only because Bellana came in and changed the parameters. Yeah, it went that... a little little far, but like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think the holodeck lends itself to that sort of... Oh, no, I think the holodeck makes it very easy to do that. But the, the two characters who've done it the most often are a are the be, the two-year-old being of debatable sentience and Barclay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it makes sense to me that Barclay would do that. He's done it before. I'm saying it's... They, 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 they baked it... A little too long for me. Ah, he turned on the doodad. Yeah. Clearly it does something <laughs> that makes this happen, right? <laughs> that is competent CGI. It's yeah, not, especially for 1998 yeah, it's not, or whatever. It's not, that, is a, that, is, that is a triple A cutscene from a video game of the period. <laughs> I would say it's even better than 1998 video games. I would say it's uh, pretty close to state-of-the-art for cinematic CG. So this projection screen is a projection screen. I mean, it's got like a shadow on it, which that kind of, some things pull some people out, that pulls me out. That's like, oh yeah, that's the best they could do in 1998. Five million teradines. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good CGI. I mean, I do... These, these dials are weird. Yeah. I do. I do question. They've never had dial. When's the last time you saw dials? An in analog a, dial. An analog dial, and <laughs> well, but then it had like a, a strange LCD digital readout, yeah. like a crystal, like like on my TI eighty three calculator. Yeah, like a very bad LCD readout. It's like they've had this piece of machinery around for a hundred years. Or Correct something. me if I'm wrong, though. Shouldn't they be completely wrong about where Voyager is, given the bump from the Borg? Though they may have already had that by the time. Message I mean, in a bottle. They, they've. They were given the best of the doctor's knowledge. Presumably, he would say what sector they were. Right, in. but haven't yeah. they had a couple of like ten thousand year, ten thousand light year jumps? It's been it's been a season or two it's, since that episode. Yeah. I mean, they do. They do, I think in one sense, just because he they do it does take he's, a while. He's doing a program doing that a goes program. from sector to sector. So I do think like it takes some time. That's why he does this right yeah. now to let the computer keep resending the message. That's why he leaves them on this chase. So. You know, how big is a sector is a question. You know, can this computer cover, I agree with you, Kevin, the 10,000 light years or whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying Voyager shouldn't be near where they're looking. Yeah, they they should. Yeah, but they've been kind of projecting continuous movement and they definitely stop for long periods of time. Fair enough. Um, They do a lot more exploring than I think they're assuming they're doing. (laughs) Um, So like 10,000, yes, it's a big jump, but, you know, they thought they wouldn't stop, you know, so like. So 
Barclay restricts access to computer control of the holodeck. Yeah, should, should that be possible? Does that bother you? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> they, like, the holodeck is not malfunctioning. They should literally be able to unplug it Just from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, look, I'm willing to believe that there is not a physical plug that they could pull. <laughs> and that, like, like one of today's automobiles, you know, things are so integrated that it takes a programmer to figure it out. And so it does raise the question of whether... It's either one of two things is the case. Either you can just command the computer to make itself impregnable, which seems problematic. Yeah, we can we can uh, computer create create a Barkley capable of defeating data. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Barkley was paranoid enough to have laid the groundwork for these sorts of restrictions beforehand. You know, one of those two things has to be true. I'm going to go with the second as being more than yeah, that, the yeah. least egregious. Yeah, see, he's redirecting the wormhole's trajectory. See, she's not trying to do it with him. She's she's just plucky Bellana. Yeah, who who can't who 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 can't do a basic diagnostic without asking for his help. It 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 went a notch too far. <laughs> I of course still have questions about holodeck geometry here. Yeah. You know, yes. like Berkeley's climbing up a Jeffrey's tube. While two people came in from outside of engineering to chase him, you know how big is the holodeck? Does the holodeck create bubbles they, of reality around when, people? When they go out of the holodeck, they always look very small. Yeah, suddenly, <laughs> oh, now we're all together in the same room. I mean, this looked like a pretty big holodeck the way they showed it when when it de holodecks, but and so yeah, like where is he now? <laughs> like. Engineering to the bridge should be, you know, yeah. 500 feet minimum. The real London was several, was hundreds of kilometers, not hundreds of kilometers, but several kilometers. Clever tricks. The holodeck uses clever tricks and perspective to, you know, like, eh, there's just too much. Yeah, like, heat has to be like... <laughs> well, or just like the ways, yes, these big kind of holodeck project, like when lots of people, lots of real people, not just one person plus... Yeah. holodeck people like when there's all these real people and they're in various places in a space that is bigger much larger yeah, yeah. it's just it's... yeah like when they're all at the resort how do they manage that <laughs> like sandrine's works because yes. it's a single room yeah but like yeah the resort is always like how can you go like some of you are water skiing and That's some of you are playing volleyball or whatever tricks of perspective <laughs> like <laughs> I like Pete came off pretty competent, like just yeah. uh Yeah. He figured out Barkley's shtick and ended it. Good for Pete. So they green screened them in oh, front yes. of the lighting here is definitely wackadoo. So now we're on real Voyager. Because clearly seven of nine is there, they do Yes. I, I See, now, maybe that would have been the thing to do, is have a Borgified Seven of Nine on the show. Wait, was... I think she might have uh, not appreciated that. Was that episode before? Uh, uh, Message in a Bottle was season four. So she should already she, be Yeah, she show. would have been there, yeah. I Yeah, I think uh, uh, they get her back in full Borg drag enough. Well, they're going to do it in Unimatrix Zero or some other flashback. Yeah. 
it, it, I mean, they're already making her wear this. Would... I, I could just be like, no, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, sw- I swear to God, like... It's like, I'll do the suit, but not the makeup and the... Right, I, if I were if I were Jerry Ryan, I would have, like, I would have been like, you know what, she could like, have Which a... is worse, this corset or the, right, the she, Borg suit? I don't right, know. Like... She could have a biomedically replenishing caftan, thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like maybe some uh, footy pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely earned it. You yeah, know. <laughs> I did like what she wore in the trailer for Picard, like the little sassy leather jacket. I know. I was like, she... they gave her real clothes. Also, woman has an age. <laughs> no, like that is like something I normally only expect from Vanessa Williams. Like, <laughs> but she's like, oh my god, you look because no, she looks exactly like she looks here. Yeah. <laughs> She looks a little. Older. I mean, she she looks like two years older. She looks like it's two thousand, not twenty nineteen. Like, at worst, she looks like this era. Jerry Ryan just got a bad night's sleep. Like she's clearly genetically gifted. Yeah, it's the nanoprobes. It's sport nanoprobes, man. Hey, Patrick Stewart's aged pretty well. I mean, he's starting to look his eighty, but. You know, or is seventy, whatever he is, but it's like uh, he's pushing eighty. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe maybe that's what all the Borg people have in common. They they've aged preternaturally well. You've put me in a difficult position, son. And now. <laughs> the disobedience of orders works out. Yep. Yes. Which, to be fair, that, that, that is, is a long-standing right, trope. That is not. Star that is not this episode's problem. <laughs> I, I fully agree. Uh, it's happened many times before, and it has been forgiven before. You know, uh, this is hardly the first <laughs> series to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't mean just Star Trek. I mean like Curious George does it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I hadn't run away uh, into the zoo, I wouldn't have uh, caused the burglar to trip. You know, like, stuff like yeah. that. It all worked out in the yeah. end. Wonderful acting on oh, part yeah. of the Voyager Kate crew. Kate Mulgrew... She, she can inject emotion into her voice in so... She's... She, she doesn't... It's just... Yeah. Her vocal cords are like a Stradivarius. Yeah, she... <laughs> and I know, I know a lot of people dislike her voice, but her voice can do all these different things. Yeah. You know? She really has control, vocally. Anyone who dislikes her voice is just misogynistic. Yeah, uh, yeah it's. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little grating at times, but that's like let's. Then you can't like you're not allowed you to like Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Hepburn. Yes, it's a Catherine and Hepburn. That is voice. that is inhuman. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, and ironically, uh, her first post Voyager gig was going on tour with T at Five, the one woman show yeah. about Catherine Hepburn, which I would have killed to see. Yeah, but but. How do you, it's obvious. No, it's, she's kind of I mean, like the holodeck program I was waiting for is her doing Lion in Winter. Uh, <gasps> this this stuff really got yes. me. This stuff works too. Like I I fully agree. Uh, I wish Tom had kind of been able to at least say hi, hello, sir. <laughs> um. Anyway, that the emotional acting on both actors really worked. Yeah, no, that, yeah. It, that is not easy to do to act. You're not even looking at anyone. You're just talking and. What? To both be highly emotional, but to like be clearly trying to restrain it as well. Yeah, and, like I mean, well, and that's their relationship, yes, right? Yeah. You know? So it's to me, any nagging questions are reduced in importance by the emotional success of the episode. 
I found the Barkley story successful emotionally. It made sense for me. I loved seeing Counselor Troy again. She was totally in character, very competent, very wise, very helpful. I thought the Tom Paris, Admiral Paris stuff was great. I thought Janeway was great. You know, it it totally works for me. And then, so Kevin, does it does it ameliorate your concerns somewhat that these people are also like, we don't know who the hell this guy is, but, you know. Also, this line bothered the hell out of me. He has a, various maladies, including hollow addiction and transporter phobia. So, yes. Like, there's no there's no HIPAA in the future. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, medical records are not private in the way they are now. Also, I, why I does... I think Vo- that's well established in Star Trek. Yeah, yes. fair enough. Why does Voyager have Barclays medical records? <laughs> I guess they just had a copy of Everybody's Starfleet's medical, medical records. <laughs> Nice to know he's still there. So I guess Jerry Ryan kind of had the shortest shrift in this episode. I think she was fine taking a week off. Yes. <laughs> Maybe so. It's not like the woman doesn't get camera time the rest of the season, I yeah, mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she was See? probably fine with like, I spent a day in the... <laughs> And then Barkley hooks up with Angie's sister from Boston. So, growth. Yeah, I, the, the 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 dots just didn't connect in the way that felt. It almost seems like he's making this story up. Yeah, I will say that. Well, it is somewhat problematic that because he does have issues, and it's like, oh, because he has the sex. And now Pete really. And now knows. he's fine. And now he's fine. And now he's all good. And he's yeah. You know, I don't need any help. No, but Pete is now intimately familiar yeah. with how wacky, yeah. you know, and... Maybe and he, he doesn't... still wants... To, it's like, you still want to... Maybe know. he doesn't like Angela. You never know. That no, Angela's be... his wife. Let's hope Angie's he likes it. Wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just wants to introduce a little bit of drama into his family. Maybe he wants the sister-in-law from Boston to not come from Boston so often, or... This will scare her. Well, or she'll, she'll either really like him... And she'll go visit him, or she won't come back to San Francisco ever again. I could see that. Um, okay, so... I mean, if she's the kind of woman who would be into Barkley, he probably finds her a little weird and wants to see less Yeah, but do two weird... I mean, I went to the University of Chicago for undergrad. I can say with authority that two socially... It's not like, um... It's not like, uh... They don't cancel each other out. They amplify each other. Yeah. Because you actually need, like... Well, they don't last. <laughs> As we know from... The... Like, like if their relationship is anything like the hundreds of relationships I witnessed during my time in college, they'll have a massive misunderstanding over a point one on a ten-point scale of misunderstandings that will be exaggerated through not talking to each other for three weeks into it until they break... Re- repeat until they break yeah. up. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a natural outcome. <laughs> That's a good relationship trajectory, right? <laughs> Okay, I've... For Barkley, it's yeah. a great relationship. Yes. <laughs> it involves would, a relationship. That would I mean... be a career high, for, I agree. And um, then he could have a holodeck simulation of it later. Uh... <laughs> see, see. Uh... Okay, I'm it's not going to... I'm not going to recapitulate my problems <laughs> in too much detail here for writing. I, I think, I, as far as... If, you, if the purpose of the episode was to, in an entertaining way, establish a reason for them to have renewed contact with the Alpha Quadrant, it largely works on that point. It doesn't... The the focus on the Alpha Quadrant side made it not feel automatic like they were just bored of having Voyager be so isolated. That 
makes I, I can go with that. I think the things they did with and to the Barkley character just it like it's like trying to put the wrong lid on a piece of Tupperware. It just doesn't lo- quite line up for me. I think uh, it's a necessary episode to have at this point in the series. You got to start to create a little bit of a feeling of momentum. You know that it makes sense that it's a seventy-year journey. They've been doing it for six years, but the show's going to end in one year. So we need <laughs> we need to figure some, some shit some out. Some way of figuring this out. I do think it's nice because they started in the Alpha Quadrant that you do have a sense that they care about Voyager and they've yeah. been working on Voyager. So again, that kind of that that going back and saying it's they're not they do know that they're out there. They actually have clear they've had clear contact and they are trying to do something with it now. They're not just lost and they've actually been actively trying to figure out how to do this impossible thing which is communicate over this massive distance. I think your criticism, Esther, of the writing is the one that is most cogent to me, and that is, why were they so resistant to Barclay's plan? I, I, yeah. That, to me, is more no, than I, any question of Barclay's characterization. Like, why wouldn't you... Like, somebody has a quirky, probably not going to work well, idea he, that that really didn't seem to take that much. Yeah. Right, here's, here's it took, like, I'll, half a night. I'll say this. Yeah. The writing fix for that is an explanation that the power cell has sure. a one-shot use. This one, my concern feels more endemic and it more like i can get around tiny technical shortcuts if i'm enjoying the episode i call it the rascals effect um if 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 i'm enjoying the character work i will let go a ton of sins and the character work was not as enjoyable for me in the first 30 episodes see i i thoroughly enjoyed it i i loved you've always identified with barkley a notch more than i have i think it and i think it influences your attachment to the character maybe so i i I find him to be a great mary sue for the average star trek fan (laughs) (laughs) i the the part the part with Bellana when she comes in and and that that next morning implies that she can't tie her shoes without help. It just I it it just is I have a problem that that part just rings problematic to me in a in a you know I I don't it doesn't bother me so much the 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 more fawning the the Vulcan part whatever. I mean look that's all on Barkley though because the rest of the series has done gangbusters work establishing all the female characters as competent, independent... No, but in terms of, of doing, I, I think, a disservice to Barclay. To, to Barclay, yeah. Like, it does a disservice... Yeah. If in... anything, it makes him seem a little creepy. Yes. Yeah, but you think, know what? He is a little creepy. I think had they... Had it they... just seems to feel a little more predatory than just creepy. Right, I think had they... had and, Like and... I said, had they pitched them as... If they if they were more competent, they're closer to their regular competent versions who happen to, without having to do the work, liked Barclay as a friend, like the Enterprise crew did after the work, um, that would have made more sense and felt less like a the bigger backslide that I have that, that I keep snagging on. Well, I think it's what the holodeck does. I think, you know, we're going to see Fairhaven. We're going to see... Yeah, you... you know, I also folk. don't like Fairhaven, yeah, and I wish Fair... we would not see Fairhaven. I will not be seeing Fairhaven. I love Fairhaven. I, will be... I, I hate Fairhaven. <laughs> yeah, I am it's not... The, I cannot stand the, Fairhaven. In the two episodes set in Fairhaven, there is only one good moment... And it's Robert Picardo slamming his way into the chapel and bellowing, Sinners! It is the only time. Yes, that is good. That is, but I don't. Wrong. As, as much as I enjoy that part, I don't. It's I no, don't need it's a, it. It's a terrible I, idea, and it should have. <laughs> Correct. Bad. It is bad. It should not have been done. Yeah. 
I I, I, I think stay. I think you guys are squeamish about p- what people would really use the holiday. Oh no, I'm no, no, I'm squeamish I, about I it. No I have no problem with January. They're the squeamish train. about it, and yeah. I don't like them rewriting. They've for the entire up until that point. Well, we're not really sure we should use the holodeck for sex, and now it's like use the holodeck for sex. That's the most that makes more sense than anything we've ever thought of before. <laughs> right. I mean, to be fair, they're on a seventy-year journey. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. But why wasn't this done too? Like oh, this is we're we're well into the, it. The now. doctor should not have waited six years to like, say. Did we just Captain, now go? Get laid. Yeah. Yes. My problem is not that also, she... Believe she's... me, if I had a holodeck, I would also make a Colin Firth knockoff <laughs> as a as, as a sex puppet. That's not the point. I the just point don't understand is... why she wants it to be in the in the same Stupid world ups. that all of her crew is still interacting with. Okay. Right, right. Go go <laughs> go go dust off your Mr. Rochester clone. Yeah. She should go back to yeah, to uh, Lord Burley. Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> But what no. Fairhaven is terrible because that Irish village is offensive. <laughs> It's not as bad as up the long ladder. That's that's like saying one form of cancer is not as bad as a different, more deadly form of cancer. So they've improved. That's what I'm saying. It's It's upward art. Hideous portrayals of the Irish. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Acting. I have no complaints. Like I I think there was some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marina Sirtis is a good actress, and the crap she got for Troy was not her was not her fault. And she did. She did very well in her scenes. When they allow Troy to be a com- like a competent, a competent person, she can actually. She, she's yeah. actually very good at it. Yeah. And she doesn't. She's not. The writing was excellent, and she lived up to it. Yeah. yeah. As far as her character, um, I like the, the crew. The real crew did a bang up job with their one scene. Yes. Well, but they also did a good job of making themselves different for the holiday yeah. scenes. And again, it, that was not an acting problem. That was a writing problem, which I will not restart. I liked Pete. I thought yeah, he, he was good. He radiated, you know, decent boss. He, yeah, he gave like kind of Joe Schmo, but in Star Trek, like he's just an average dude living Perfect in Star Trek. Middle manager. Yeah, totally. Yeah. He's yeah. even bald, <laughs> but not in, like a sexy Captain Picard way. <laughs> but, like I, I don't believe middle managers are allowed to be sexy bald. <laughs> and then uh, Admiral Paris was quite yeah. good, I thought. Uh, also radiated, you know, bald middle manager, admiral, officious self-satisfied you know but also concerned about his son so to me it really worked it it does make you sort of question the backstory of paris like how they got estranged yeah yeah, like admiral paris seems so nice well (laughs) yeah but i I, see i don't think he seems totally nice he he does seem like he's very invested in the rules yeah. of Starfleet. Yeah. And so if Tom Paris bucks the rules, no, I, I always, that's enough for I him. don't have any problem with that because clearly distance has made the heart grow fonder. Well, I, I also think... Pa- but like clearly, yeah. clearly Janeway, who knows Admiral Paris, has a great relationship with him because she follows the rules and she's a good Starfleet officer. And, you know... The Admiral can't make his son be like a little Starfleet well, officer, and, I, I think, and that has caused friction. Right, that, I, I think in the in a real, if this were like a real, this would be one of those parent-child relationships that just organically mends itself as the teenager becomes a mid-twenty-something. It just turns out that the teenager ended became an adult that ended up in prison. Right, right. And then... And maybe we also would have helped had we ever known what Paris did wrong. We're all <laughs> copy and pasting Nick Lacarno, and I'm fine with that in a, in a way that doesn't trigger guild obligations to the writer of that episode. But, you know, like, I would have loved... If you weren't going to make him Nick Lacarno, you'd needed even a paragraph of dialogue about what he did. 
it's in the it's in the Jerry Taylor book. Yeah, yeah. Which which is fine, (laughs) but you know, yes, they should have done it in the series. Yeah, that's not a this episode. No, no. Uh, there, there just should have been a flashback episode about Tom Paris, which I would have loved. I mean, that would have been amazing. You always, you also like Tom. Like, it's not like I dislike Tom no, Paris, but, but you, I would love anything yeah. that shows me the backstory in the Alpha Quadrant of Voyager. Like, yeah. that's some of the best parts of Caretaker. Like, oh, here's this douchey first officer guy, and here's the Betazoid chick. And... Oh, I'm so sad she died. She yeah, was, she seemed fun. Stotty, that's yeah. right. I don't remember the the dude's name. He had sort of salt and pepper gray hair. Anyway, yeah. the, so did the so did the nurse, or was it the doctor? It was the doctor and the nurse? They were both. They kind did of kind of look similar. Yeah. Too. Um, so effects, I thought acting was excellent. Yeah, effects wise, I think the show was pretty good. That so to me, what does it for the the sort of production values is creating something that feels like a real home for Barkley. As yeah. You know, yeah, as you know, pro forma and not furnished as it was, that made sense for the character. As improbable as him living there is. <laughs> well, everybody seems to have the most killer view in San Francisco ever. So there's. Well, that. I guess yeah, I guess technology would let you build skyscrapers. Like the communication center is clearly two hundred stories tall. It's like the, it's like the 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 Burj Starfleet communication center. So maybe you can just do that way more readily. That actually was the least effective. They've done better zoning in the future. <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to actually build up. Yes. In a way. And apparently they fixed the problem with like well, earthquakes or something, you know. It is so. Speaking of zoning, if you can eliminate <laughs> no, if you can eliminate parking, well, that's true. Also, you would yeah. free up so much space. Yes. in an urban area. That is something I, I was thinking about. The view of San also, Francisco. you could have a lot more green. Yeah, the, the, you that can't was the, have more green because green you don't have would come because from. you don't like, have to have parking. You wouldn't even need cars. You could make green space down the center of the street. Think of the paradise that the world would be. Without parking lots and without automobiles, so, you'd have yeah. you'd have all the cities, all the amazing buildings, all the amazing culture, and then you'd just be able to fill it with either quality housing or green space. It would be amazing. Are you are amazing. you envisioning a lot of light rail here or like I buses? Think, well, clearly people use transporters, and clearly they don't have a problem with the energy for the transporters. Yeah. I. I guess you don't see many people riding bicycles, but, but I imagine like a subway too. Yeah, yeah. they have they, subways. They do... They've got tube systems, so clearly this is some you know like liberal city planners' yeah. dream. You know, <laughs> this, scenario. Is the, this is the future of liberals. Want. Finally, there's high speed rail everywhere. <laughs> you know, but so I'm always going to be predisposed towards an episode that shows me Earth number one, that shows me uh, you know sort of like beautiful working well utopian earth number two because i'm curious about earth and then if you give me the utopia thing that's just going to make me feel happy and so the episode's already making me feel happy (laughs) it's showing me people that make me feel happy and then it's making voyager talk to each other with with the off quadrant and you know tom paris gets to talk to his daddy again it's like it's all happy but the whole thing makes me happy does, does that further diminish the voyager's key premise of being isolated from Earth. That's got to end sometimes. So this is where they're starting that idea. Hey, yeah. It's season six. It's not season two. I'll I'm okay with that. that. Also, it's not a permanent... If it were season two, I mean, eventually there'll be a more permanent communication. Yeah. But this is a one-shot. You yeah. heard one voice. Yeah. You could so, also see it right, being not is... just happy in the moment, but also kind heightening, I, potentially heightening the isolation yeah, yeah. when you can't return no, this, to yeah, it. This, this is the, much like in the 90s when I was using a landline to dial a bbs and that was how i got online you know (laughs) so uh i i think it's very successful production wise because it it made places feel real 
And to me, that's the, the big achievement when you can do that, especially in a science fiction show. But in any show, like I want the place to feel real and lived in because that helps me feel like the characters are real. And so Barkley having this, you know, two level flat, you know, in San Francisco. Well, just like the blankets there and yeah, just different. Just the different, ice cream, the replicator, yeah. the, the, the personal the books relaxation on the stairs, light. Yeah. Like the, the clutter on His the stairs. His crates of crap. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it, it totally feels real. It feels real. like home. Well, yes. <laughs> Uh, which is again why I think he's a Mary Sue for a lot of uh, people who watch Star Trek. Um, so, look, to me, it's a five. Like, I, like if you create a Star Trek episode that makes me feel this happy, and does not raise, you know, like gross universe deforming questions, uh, to me, it's a five. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Kevin. I get it. I just don't feel it to the level that you feel it. Yeah, I was I was briefly debating between a three and a four, but a three felt churlish. the The, the problems I have are not that disabling, um, but it's definitely not higher than a four for me. I I just think like once the episode starts, you just want to watch the whole thing. I don't know. Like maybe that was it. Like the 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 weird taste that the early Barkley left in my mouth kind of set me on a slightly different path. Like I acknowledge objectively the quality of the acting and the effects and it's a fun. lot of things they did very well, but the the character arc just out of sync for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say four. Esther, I so like I said, I have just I I would probably if I can do. In between scores, I would probably do four point five because it's like like there. I do have some issues with that, just the kind of overly fawning and the Bolana moment just drives me a little up the wall. Um, but in general, I really enjoy this episode. This is definitely an episode that I like to come back to. It's like a good return for Barkley and Troy. And normally, an episode that would not have the actual characters of the series in the episode for more than five minutes. Yeah would drive me up the wall and this absolutely doesn't do it and I think that's a that is a success in and of itself that almost no series probably Voyager has actually done that now because they had Living Witness which is a just phenomenally good that episode. that is yes well they're, they're the choice to not have the real crew was done consciously to well it, it, to tell to tell yeah. its story so it didn't feel cheap um I, I guess, suppose um, you have uh what's the Rashomon story in TNG uh matter of perspective yeah i mean they're not completely absent but you have a lot of sim- simulations uh, of events oh dr apgar yeah. but it also feels t- it feels more tied to the actual universe of the show in a weird way despite the fact that the main c- characters it actually develops voyage like the series of voyager in a way it doesn't just feel like we've stopped and we've told this other story right oh yeah i agree and it's not just like a little break it in one sense it is a bit of a hiatus for all the main actors because they're not even even though the ones that had to play on the holodeck they're in it less they're they're just in it less there's just they're they're kind of i hope they all went to like a water park or something yeah i just just hope they enjoy just a slight break in yeah the the kind of intense productions that they these seasons normally are i think what you see of Barclay's vision and or Starfleet's vision of them is an interesting contrast. I think it helps the viewer kind of think about how far they've come, too. You know? Yeah. If anything, they should have made Tom act more like a convict or something, you know, in the simulation. Because mm-hmm. that's that's what they know of Tom. It I guess the real dangling question 
is how much the doctor told them. You know, like, could have told them. How, yeah, how much time did he have? What well, do, what does he have on board in his own memory? Like it, it in the way he cut. Like what? How is information processed? It, or stored in Does the doctor. Pictures okay. of it would general. need to be a two-hour episode to, to, to <laughs> yes. achieve it successfully. But like, if if the crew that they created were the crew of Voyager through the doctor's perspective, and they were all like crappy in a very specific way because of how the doctor is annoyed by them, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, that would have been a lot. No, there's no. That, that's yeah. a, that's very information. And it would have dense. taken away from the Barclay. Oh, no, I, I agree. I'm not serious. But it would have been. It, but it yes. would have been hilarious. Yes. All right, so yeah, I'm I'm saying a four. I wasn't. I, I I cannot. I could not justify three. Like the 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 fundamentals of the episode are strong enough that even like yeah, I I feel comfortable describing it as the character work with Barkley in the in the first third was enough to not get the point for me. Yeah, I, to me it's a five. It's in the top ten yeah. percent. This will not be our last disagreement because get ready for that one on Fairhaven from me. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's a five, Jesus. I like it's like I like up the long ladder because it's stupid and funny. You know, I'm not arguing that it's like yesterday's Enterprise yeah. and then up the long ladder and then you know like <laughs> all good things. It's like oh, to talk to talk, Captain. This is the best episode I've ever been in. No, like no. It's a, it's a crap episode, but it's kind of but fun. It's not. It's it's so crap that it's not enjoyable crap. Fairhaven it's... has elements that are strange <laughs> and need. You have to work to wrap your head around it. But it asks a good science fiction question. Yeah, but then what would ba- people use a sex simulator for, <laughs> for if for, they had it on their ship? For sex, I agree. <laughs> but we've also stipulated that between Deep Space Nine and even Hollow Pursuits, like obviously people like Riker being like, "I'll be on the holodeck." We know. After Perhaps you should debate Fairhaven when you get to Fairhaven. Uh, it, it is always appropriate to rag on that abomination of an episode. Uh, uh, are you saying it's like at the level of threshold? It's 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 kind of Ir- it's like Irish code of honor to me. I like threshold. Threshold is half of a pretty good yeah, episode. Threshold presents a fun science fiction <laughs> yes. question. Doesn't mean we don't have weird Janeway Paris babies walking around somewhere. They're not walking. <laughs> well, we don't know. I mean, nice. Maybe they evolved. Maybe they super evolved. <laughs> yeah, like like the worms on the Genesis planet. Maybe they're the Metrons now. <laughs> alright, alright. So it's a nine. And I, I can live with a nine. There are many, many things about this episode to like a great deal, and I do. I've made my objections clearly, exhaustively stated for the record. And overruled. <laughs> I I think a nine is a very fair rating. I agree that there are minor, minor issues that might bother a select few fans. Uh, but I, I think it's fine. Uh, it, it's like when I look at the list of season six episodes, I'm always like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm not. Pathfinder. I don't mind rewatching this. I'm not excited to rewatch it. It doesn't it doesn't make me get out of my it doesn't like pull me out of my chair but all right opinions are by their very nature subjective well that'll do it yep. uh so live long and prosper everybody uh we'll Peace see you yeah joel and true uh, what else do we have <laughs> Starmark. <laughs> yeah and enjoy your gratitude festival if it's that time of year where you are um <laughs> hopefully you're still alive somewhere listening to this. Yeah, I hope wherever you're listening to this, Elizabeth Warren's president. Yeah. <laughs> Let's broadcast into that future. Yes. Sounds good. Good night and good luck.